Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. Radio 191 FM, and right now on the line from, I don't know, we're probably Wellington, I'm joined by Joe Fowler, Deputy Chief Executive of um, Investment and Outcomes at the Ministry of Culture and Heritage. Atamari, eh, Joe? Atamari, eh, How are we today? We're good. Early start, we're very busy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no doubt you are very busy, no doubt. Uh, and we're going to talk about why you are busy uh, right now, or one of the reasons anyway. Um, yesterday, the Minister of Arts, Culture and Heritage, Kamal Supoloni, um, announced a new boost to the Arts and Culture Event Support Scheme and the Cultural Sector Emergency Relief Fund. And we'll start off with the Arts and Culture Emergency Support Scheme. Um, we all know the hospitality uh, industry is doing it hard, harder than most uh, in the current climate of uh, the red light, and, and certainly quite hard all the way through the pandemic. Uh, so the, uh, this boost couldn't come any fast, uh, faster, really. Um, but with this expansion of $70 million to the Arts and Culture Event Support Scheme, what events are eligible for funding under the scheme? So the, the scheme has actually been running since December in a kind of in its first form. Um, so we set it up for events that um, may have to cancel because of COVID restrictions. Um, and we've got a couple of hundred events um, registered with that scheme already. Obviously, that scheme is now paying out, which is one of the reasons we're so busy, because events are having to cancel and because they're not viable with small audience sizes or um, or venues can't open and, and so on. So the extension of the scheme, the extra $70 million, is to take that scheme right through to January 23, because whilst obviously there's an immediate need for that scheme now as events cancel, um, there's a real need also for people to plan events confidently into the future. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, it's an incredibly perilous position to be in um, an event organiser looking forward. And, and they need some support and um, kind of an underpinning guarantee, if you like, that if they do suffer losses as a result of cancellations, they can get some funding to help out. Yeah, yeah. And, and what size and what scale are we looking at in terms of, of these events? So we cover events up to 5,000 um, and events of more than 5,000 if they're not ticketed, i.e. they're kind of free community events. We've got a few of those on, on the books. Um, another government agency, as is so often the way, um, support, <laughs> the, support the bigger um, events, the big 5,000 plus, you know, the, the um, rhythm and vines, the big festivals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this could be um, just to me that has a wee venue down the road that holds 120 people, had a whole bunch of events coming up, and now they've gone. Yes. So in, if they were registered with a scheme, and we are accepting registrations um, dozens a day at the moment, um, often from events that are only a few weeks away that um, didn't register early, um, then that event would say, we're registered with you, we were going to have 120 people, we were going to pay the artist this much, the sound engineer this much, etc. Um, and if that event has to cancel, we provide the money to the event organiser and they pay um, the artists and other technicians as if that event had taken place. Yeah. And that's really important for the sector because obviously it's so often the artists that end up um, um, suffering the most out of these kind of cancellations because they, they have such lumpy income and yeah, indeed. Um, so, I mean, and it has to sort of be events that were already kind of planned before before this was announced, is that right? Yes. So uh, events have to be committed um, before the 23rd of, um, of January. Um, so they have to evidence some kind of commitment, like a booking deposit at the venue or a contract with an artist or something. And obviously that's just to protect the fund and make sure it goes to where it's most needed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and so what kind of hoops do we have to jump through to kind of apply for these? I mean, how much paper filling out is there? Is it, is it an easy process? It's relatively easy, and, and we've got 
about 12 people here at the moment who are speaking on the phones most of the day to event organisers, so it's not something people have to do on their own. If they're filling in the form and they go, what the hell does this mean? And they can give us a call and we can have a, a conversation with them. But effectively, you transfer whatever balance sheet you've got um, into um, a form, which says what your event, kind of what the financial position of the event is, you know, what your income and expenditure is. Um, we take a look at that. We come back to you and say, um, we'll underwrite, give you this much funding if there's um, co to cover non-recoverable costs. Um, you sign and say, yeah, that's okay, and you're registered. Then hopefully your event goes ahead and everyone has a great time. But if, if the COVID restrictions prevent that, then you effectively make a, um, make a claim and we provide a grant that covers those non-recoverable costs. Okay, and is this a cost on just what would have been in terms of what you would have got for tickets, um, you know, money through the event, or can you look at things like, you know, potential uh, revenue from foods and services? Um, it, it kind of depends. So you, you fill in you fill in the sheet of what you find your event day would be forecast to be. Yeah. So you'll say here's the, here's all, all my costs on the event day, and here's what I expected my income to be on that event day. Um, and if um, that event is then cancelled, say it's four weeks out, um, and you've lost your booking fee on the on the venue, we pay the booking booking fee. If you're if you had to pay full venue costs because you cancelled 24 hours before because the area was plunged into red, then we pay that that full amount. So effectively, we make sure that the event organizer doesn't make a loss. Yeah. What what other people connected to that venue, caterers, bar, for example, get depends on what they've got in their contract with the event organizer. Okay. But one thing we do insist on, and it's part of the conditions of the fund, is that the artists and the other crew. Um, who are kind of at the heart of that event and are integral to the performance get paid as if the event had gone ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that includes producers, lighting techs, and stuff like that. And if we're looking, yeah. if we're looking at it in the terms of live music, because it's not just music, is it? Yeah, no, it's, it's not just music. No, it's performances, exhibitions, and and so on too. Um, and and the key thing here is we we're trying to recognise as as far as we can um, the challenges that people in that space are having, um, and. Often they're not particularly well protected under contract. Yeah. You know, artists are desperate to play. Um, they want to get up on that stage. They want to do their thing. Um, they'll sign a contract sometimes that has, or if they do sign a contract at all, that has pretty minimal protections. And so what we're trying to do here is, is drive a little bit of support their way and make sure they get a fair deal. What if the booking is some, something as simple as just a text message, you know, text message conversation? Is, is that enough proof to say that the gig was going ahead? <laughs> um, it's... It, it depends what we're talking about. So, I mean, what we look at typically is is the advertised event. So, yeah. the vast majority of the events that are um, that we're registering are advertised somewhere. They might be on Facebook. They might be on Event Finder. Typically, um, so we'll take a look at that and verify some of the information. We've, if, in terms of the commitment to the event, if we can see something scheduled and an agreement between, say, a venue and a promoter or an artist and a promoter. I'm not sure we'd quite stretch to screenshots of text messages, but you know, something a little bit more formal than that would be useful. Yeah. But ultimately, we're looking, does that event really exist? You know, is there evidence? Um, and if the evidence is scanned, then we just come back and ask some more questions and try and dig a little bit deeper. But when we're... We have a kind of policy here, which is, you know, let's let's make things as easy as possible for people that are finding it hard. Yeah. Um, and we, that's the basic principle that we apply across the piece. 
I mean, something like the Dunedin Fringe Festival that's coming up, um, you know, that, that's a big event with many shows over the course of a couple of weeks. But all those shows are kind of individual shows. You kind of apply to have the show on for Fringe, but it's your commitment you've made under the, the Fringe umbrella. So how do you look after an event like that? I mean, do you do it f- f- as a whole through the Fringe organisation, or does every little event, can they apply themselves? That's a, that's a great question, and it's one of the biggest challenges we've faced over the recent weeks, to be honest. So we've got quite a few events like that, um, some big festivals in Wellington um, and Auckland. Um, and in those, in those scenarios, we effectively offer a choice. Either the person who's curating the overall event, the overall event organiser, can pull that information together on behalf of the collective, um, or each individual event can register individually, or a mixture between the two. And the challenge that we have is, is picking that apart and making sure that we've got all the lines clean, um, but we've managed to do that with some pretty seismic um, festivals, and no pun intended. Uh, the Wellington um, Festival is, is significantly sized, multiple venues, multiple artists and promoters, and we've worked with the festival organisers to piece that together. Similarly, our Deco Festival in, in Napier, which has a mixture of events that are eligible and events that aren't. And again, we've worked and put a relationship manager um, on on that on, on that festival and work directly with the promoter to, to put that together. As I said, our, our job here is to try and make it as easy as possible for people that are finding it hard. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the Cultural Sector Emergency Relief Fund. That's got a boost of an additional $35.5 million. This includes a new one-off $5,000 grant to uh, self-employed or sole trader practitioners who can show proof of practice as a cultural sector practitioner and loss of... Uh, uh, income or opportunity. Um, who are those people? What, what do you What do you mean with that statement? Okay, so if you're an arts and cultural sector practitioner, and when you read it back to me, then I thought hmm, we might want to make that slightly more plain English. Um, <laughs> never mind. Um, an arts and cultural sector practitioner would be, a, as you mentioned earlier, a sound engineer, a lighting tech, um, and also in some cases, um, or in all cases, um, but um, or a performer, um, um, artist, and so on. Um, so somebody who is active in the arts and cultural scene and is making income um, as a result of, 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 their, of, of their practice. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the fund itself, um, it's designed to recognise that um, artists in that, and practitioners in the arts and cultural sector often fall down some gaps. Yeah. Um, they can often be working 20, 30 hours a week um, in another job and do 10, 20 hours a week in the arts and cultural space. Um, they can often be preparing for a long time for an exhibition or event or a series of gigs, which means all of their income comes at once. And that means some of the previous government supports haven't fitted um, their context and circumstances particularly well. Um, so what we're doing with the um, Cultural Sector Emergency Relief Fund for individuals, for sole traders, self-employed people, is offering a one, one-off grant um, that can support them through a difficult time, but could also help them prepare for what's coming next in a transition into what we hope will be a, a more normal kind of post-pandemic world. Yeah. So say Mike plays covers at bars across the city five days a week and that's their only income. It's, it, you know, is that the type of person that can be covered under this grant? Sorry, I missed the, the so, circumstances say, there. Say Mike plays covers at bars, you know, all over the city five nights a week. It plays at different bars all over the city, but that's his sole income. He plays covers at, at bars. Can, will he be covered by this? Um, yes. Um, the, the, I'm going to be a government official here and just put a couple of conditions to that. Okay, good. Um, well, if, if Mike is, is earning some money and he can show that he's earning some money um, and he's not earning it anymore because those bars aren't doing 
um, on booking him to come and play covers in that bar. All good so far. Um, Mike does need to be known um, to the government as earning um, for his covers. Yeah. So if, if Mike's taking $100 a night, cash in hand, a couple of beers and a meal, um, and Mike's nobody knows that's, te- that's going on, it's going to be quite difficult for us to engage with Mike because he hasn't got an official record of, yeah. of income. Yeah. Um, if Mike's declaring that income in some way and is formally known as a jobbing um, artist, um, Mike will have no problem. Yeah, so Mike, if you're out there and you're not doing that, you, you don't ask them because the tax man might come for you. Uh, Mike. There's a, there's a flip side to that, which is look, if, if Mike can make himself known um, and register as being self-employed, um, then Mike can access the grant. Yeah. So, you know, there's, this isn't a kind of, we're not trying to be punitive here. We're just saying um, we, we do need um, people to be above board for us to engage with them. Yeah, and, and this, this um, emergency relief fund goes all the way up to $300,000, right, per applicant? For organisations, yes. Yeah. So there's there's two streams to the fund. There's there's a five thousand um, dollar one off um, fixed amount um, to for individual practitioners, um, and we will go up to three hundred thousand dollars for organisations that are kind of core parts of the arts and cultural sector infrastructure. So as a as an example of that, the New Zealand um, International Film Festival has really struggled over the last couple of years with generating income from um, from its festival, um, and we provided some bridging funding to support them um, to the other side um, into, through the last festival and into 2022. So that that is really a kind of fund of last resort for organisations that are about to hit the wall. Is the is the plain English way of describing that? Yeah. It's not a development grant for organisations to do something interesting. It's genuinely a um, risk of trading insolvently. What can we do about it? Now, the this this new grant, the Self Employment and Sole Trainer Practitioners Grant. Um, you you say that's the equivalent of up to eight weeks, uh, what you would have got under the wage subsidy scheme. So, say in eight weeks' time, we're still in the middle of uh, Omicron or what may come next. Uh, is there a potential for boosting it once again? It's 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 for exploration. Um, now, obviously, you know. I've, Hopefully people out there don't think that everyone in government has an exact timetable for what's going to happen over the next yeah. couple of months um, because we live in uncertain times, um, but certainly we'll be keeping that under review um, and looking um, again in six or seven weeks if we're in a similar position as to what further support um, and um, help we can offer uh, the sector. Uh, you said it's easier to apply for this fund this time round. Um, was it quite difficult beforehand, was it? <laughs> For individuals, it's 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 difficult because for the for the previous cultural sector emergency relief fund, which was really aimed at organisations, you have to provide accounts and other information to show that you are at risk of trading insolvently. That's almost impossible for individual practitioners and sole traders who are working sporadically in the sector to do. Um, and we had a lot of feedback on that from individuals, and we've taken that on board. Um, the final details of that fund um, are um, being decided over the next week or so um, because we only we could only get as much from the feedback in terms of how we design that um, to make the pitch for the funding. That's been successful, but now we want to talk to some individual sole traders, practitioners, and their representatives um, and make sure that that's the final settings for that scheme are right. Um, needs to be accessible, but it also needs to be safe for government. And we've got to find the right balance for that. Yep, yep, totally understand that too. So uh, if people want to apply for the, the you know, the scheme and, and this emergency relief fund, how, uh, where do we find all the relevant information? Okay, so the Manatutonga um, mch.govt.nz website has all of the information. 
the, the events registration for the events is open right now. Um, it's going to take us around three weeks to get the Cultural Sector Emergency Relief Fund set up, not least because we need to spend the next six or seven working days just talking to the sector and making sure we get the settings right, and then we've got to configure our systems and get the payment stuff set up and get the form up so that people can apply. Um, but you can still find information um, about that grant um, on the Manatee Polar website. All right, brilliant. Hey, well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Joe. A pleasure. Sure, it's a real pleasure. Have yourself a wonderful day. Uh, and, well, yeah, I'd like to say hopefully we'll never have to talk about this stuff again, uh, but maybe we will. And maybe yeah. if, when I do, I'll talk to you again. Yeah, happy to. Cheers, mate. See you all right, there we go. Everything you need to know about uh, the Arts and Culture Events Support Scheme and the Culture Sector Emergency Relief Fund with that new one-off $5,000 grant for sole employed, self-employed or sole trade uh, practitioners. Uh, and join online to find all that, out all the relevant information on how you can apply. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.